All right, everybody, everybody, it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday afternoon in the glorious United States. Um, I, this is a good episode, like all of my episodes. Uh, this episode is going to talk about AI, robotics, and um, I give my take on what the future is going to hold or how to prepare. So, to give you a primer, there's going to be, I am reading about a few minutes, I read a Twitter thread by a very intelligent guy, investor, moneymaker, his, his name is Adam Townsend. You can find him on Twitter, at Adam Scrabble, that's Adam, A-D-A-M, Scrabble, S-C-R-A-B-B-L-E, very informative, he has very awesome Twitter threads. Now, this Twitter thread is not the be-all, end-all, but it's just a good primer to get you thinking uh, about the past automation and innovation and how we've dealt with it, how we've dealt with influxes in the labor force, labor force participation. So the next few minutes is going to be me reading a thread. I follow it up with my own thoughts about it, and uh, I would appreciate any kind of response, you guys. Um, let me know what you think. Enjoy. This thread was written by Adam Townsend on Twitter known as at Adam Scrabble. Here we go, guys. Are you ready? Fire thread about AI and robots and the not impending doom. In the 1970s, AI was called the copy machine. Robots were called women. The Andrew Yangian question of that era was, what will happen when women join the workforce, but automation destroys their jobs? What actually happened? Female labor force increased from 20 million to 75 million. The female participation rate increased from 35% to 60%. Women's wages relative to men rose. They moved into higher productivity activities. Businesses expanded. Mr. Townsend follows up this with a chart. This chart is the civilian labor force level for women, and it shows, with data from the Federal Reserve, the increase in the amount of women participating in the labor force from the 1950s through 2015. Afterwards, he shows a chart. This chart shows the civilian labor force participation rate for women, where we see the increase of the percentage of women participating in the labor force over time. As he continues, I'm simplifying. This is a Twitter thread. Some people with specific skills who couldn't retrain didn't do as well as others. Nevertheless, this is a big Lee magnitude. There were shifts. Male labor force participation rate went down from 87.5 to 70%. Will automation mean jobs vanish? In this instance, when the robots and AI of that era, called quote-unquote women and electrical typewriters, combined with an expansion of people wanting to work, it didn't. Here, Mr. Townsend shows a graph of the civilian labor force participation rate for men. The male labor force expanded from 45 million to 82 million. Is there only a fixed number of jobs, and if robots take them, humans lose them? Hasn't been true so far in human history. Maybe this time it's different. So my position on AI and artificial intelligence and robots taking over our jobs is very similar to Mr. Townsend. 
Um, I do not think that we are going to be overrun. I don't think we're going to have mass unemployment. So the reason I bring this up, the reason that this really, this um, thread, I decided to read this thread and talk about it, is because obviously the presidential elections are coming near, but this is also a timeless topic. And I think throughout history, we have seen examples of people fearing uh, the future, fearing technology, fearing automation. And we've all heard the arguments before that, um, or, you know, maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't heard before the arguments such as that I'm sure the people who were in the horse business, who were maybe grooming horses, breeding horses, making saddles, uh, making horseshoes, there was entire industries around the production, the manufacturing, the distribution of horse-related materials and horses for transportation, for work, all that stuff before the uh, invention of the combustion engine and uh, vehicles, cars, things of that nature. And so um, this topic is the thing, one reason why it gets stuck in my head is because people like Andrew Yang gain a lot of popularity by scaring people into thinking that no one's going to have a job in the future, that everyone's going to be out of work. And this is actually why I have one of the reasons I have such a problem with Yang. I think he's a nice guy, and I do like some of the stuff he says in terms of the his attitude. I think his tone and his attitude are cool. I think they're relatively on point. I like that for the most part, he doesn't uh, get down and dirty with uh, the name calling. Now, he has said a couple things, and he's done a couple things that are, uh, you know, but everybody does some stupid shit running for president, right? So I can't hold him too too heavy to that. But um, for example, he did tell a group of Asian Americans and that uh, basically if white people had their way that we, uh, you know, put them back in camps, um, which is fucking ridiculous in this day and age, you know. Um, and of course, alluding to World War Two and Japanese and but you know what? It's like I'm not going to get into that here, but history is very nuanced, right? And when we look back, it's not right for us to look back at history and judge everything so harshly. I think it's okay for us to go back and say that was wrong, right? That that was disgusting. Um, but to uh, go back and pretend that that – I mean those people grew up in that way of life and at the time – Maybe that seemed like a rational thing to do. And maybe it was for the time. I don't know. I'm not going to defend internment camps here, but that's probably what he was referring to. But still, in this day and age, with all of the race-baiting behavior, I am not a fan of people bringing that kind of stuff up. Um, another thing he did was he put on a real big crybaby act the other day. I don't remember what it was, but people were sharing it on Twitter. He was clearly pretending to cry at something, and it was just so sickening to watch. I hate watching that shit. Um, so that's why I try to stay away from politics. Now, back to the AI thing. Basically, a lot of people are looking at industries. They're talking about trucking. Um, trucking is a big one. And Andrew Yang and others tend to look at trucking a lot and they go, look, once we get AI up and running, then they're going to be driving all the trucks and all the cars and all of the delivery guys, which is the biggest. They're, what they're trying to do is target the demographic of men who are working in these fields because right now 
um, the logistics is a big part of what employs men in this country. So in the past, maybe it was manufacturing, but right now, a large percentage of men are employed in the logistics industry, whether they be doing trucking, whether they be working for um, smaller courier services or doing their own thing. And so that is the pinpoint of the fear today. People are, and here's what's going on. People are basically saying we're going to have mass unemployment because the AI is going to happen so fast. And because of that, we're not going to be able to adapt. Like millions of people are going to use, lose their jobs. And as a result, we're going to need like a universal basic income. So I, first off, my main stance, I just think the premise of the whole thing for universal basic income is just wrong in the sense that I don't think we're going to see mass unemployment. Now, here's the other thing. I'm not going to predict the future. And I don't think Mr. Townsend is either. He's not saying, oh, no, for sure this isn't going to happen. The thing is, though, I do – I have more faith in people on an individual level. So that's my stance. On an individual level, I feel like society and people can adapt. And I think our biggest burden is when there are structural barriers in the way such as bureaucratic rules, laws against getting jobs, laws against licensing, um, you know, laws against certain types of employment, union laws, things like that. When there are legal hurdles to getting employment for American citizens, in my opinion, that's the bigger threat, right? Also, I think is a bigger threat to, uh, to Americans' employment is too generous of benefits because it's true. I mean, listen, guys, I am not going to pull up the data on it. But I think we all intuitively know that at a certain level, if you are getting money for free, it's going to be difficult to work, right? Uh, Most people understand intuitively that when you feel like you do not have a safety net, you have to work harder. When you feel like you have a safety net, then – now, some people are wise enough to know when they have a safety net that they have to keep building. But a lot of people, many people, are – they get a safety net – and then they're, they don't worry about it, right? So they're going to stay where they're at. And now, like I said, you can look up – there's data on the internet that you can find. Um, but there's a lot of conflicting data. These studies are hard to, to deal with. But I think the biggest – I do believe that the biggest hurdle to people dealing with technological advances is going to be our own legal system, our own bureaucratic rules, and things of that nature, and maybe even welfare. But I do have faith in humanity. I do think that individuals, as time goes on, I think we will adapt to new careers and new things. And so let's talk about a couple things here. One is education. So one is we have to move away from a style of education, which is that everyone needs to go to college, right? Because that was true. It wasn't ever true, but it was more true in the past for the past 30, 40 years maybe where it made a lot of sense to go to college because you would signal to your employer. And you know we saw the growth of gigantic companies over the last 50 or 60 years like P&G, Walmart, you know, big accounting firms, big technology firms, big everything you know, have really emerged. And so a lot of focus on education was getting people into those kinds of jobs. Now we are moving into a, it seems as though We are moving into a much more – we still have the big companies and I think we'll always have big companies. But it seems as though we're moving into a more – a less less centralized system where people are able to – 
where we have big players and at the same time though there's lots of individuals doing things where you could create lots of small companies maybe do your own freelance work maybe have a one two three person business um, I feel like a lot of things are going to be going in that direction right so instead of uh, big advertising companies running everything you'll have um, you know a couple big advertising companies and you'll have influencers now this is not purely my idea I got some of this from listening to people like Naval who talks about this who described like you'll have big players like Amazon and then you'll have on the tail end of that you'll have many 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 small um, sellers and and distributors and you know it's like that in logistics in logistics you have I've been in the business on a big scale, you have UPS, you have FedEx, you have um, you have Amazon now, but uh, you know you've got DHL, the USPS. But if you go into each city, each city, you know you guys might not know this, but cities do not just run on UPS, FedEx, and the big companies. They run on lots of individual couriers. So you have huge companies, then you have tons of individual couriers. I know because I've been in the business. I was in one. Me and my dad ran one. And so um, they, uh, they're all over the place. Every city you go to, you will see tons. You might not even recognize. You might not know what they are. Tons of individual couriers. And you see that on the internet with influencers, right? You've got big menu. You've got big time uh, advertising agencies. But then you've got uh, tons and tons of people on Instagram, YouTube, um, TikTok, wherever with individual followings that they can also create their own brands, they can make their own products, they can sell other people's products. And so you've got big players, but we're moving into a space where more and more people can start to create their own niche, whether it be um, art, manufacturing, writing, information gathering, information distribution. And so I just think that society is going through a structural adjustment period. Now, I had a Twitter discussion with somebody where we talked about, um, we had a, a little bit of a debate. It was really constructive. Basically, they a lot of people that are pessimists believe that we're just going to see innovation happen too fast. We're not going to be able to adapt to it. And I could be wrong, but I do believe that in some areas we will see fast innovation. I think in some areas we're not going to see fast innovation. Right? For example, we've they've been working on driverless cars for like 20 years. I remember being a kid watching the History Channel and watching um, people working on driverless vehicles back then. So when you look at that, and we're just now seeing driverless technology really being implemented, but it's been talked about for years. It really has been. If you go back, you can go back 20 years ago and find people talking about, well, probably about 20 years ago. It was the early 2000s from what I remember. You will find people talking about driverless car technology, working on driverless vehicles, and we're really far away from that. We are pretty far away from that as it stands. And also, I've talked about before, Eric Weinstein made a good point, um, and Naval made a good point, that basically we don't understand how the human mind works, but we're good at making networks of AI, like neural networks, which are just networks, I guess, of algorithms or an algorithm that can learn to do specific tasks. So I think in that regard, we will see the phasing out of certain tasks, right? And maybe more complex tasks over time. And in certain areas, I think we'll see it happen faster than others. But I think it's foolish to predict mayhem and chaos. I think it's we're much better off just going with the flow 
And, and also, here's the other thing that I think is important. Nobody, aside from saying that we need a new education model, which needs to be more based on, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with top-down education, but if I had to give an idea for education, then if, if we're going to maintain public schools, then, uh, which I don't know if I'm a big fan of, but I would encourage people to get more, uh, be more of the, uh, what is it, that apprenticeship type training, right? So have people work in various jobs as they grow up, get training as they grow up. And instead of maybe necessarily going to college, um, going and continuing apprenticeships, starting small businesses young, um, you know, learning things on the internet, just there's just various things that we can do. And companies need to, in my opinion, the big barrier is companies need to stop relying on degrees. I think when that happens, we'll see a huge change in the way education flows. Um, but I do think we'll adapt and I think we'll be okay. So that's my opinion. And I loved this thread by Adam Townsend because it just goes through some history, just some brief history, right? We've seen huge, some major technological progress in terms of information, data processing in the last 70 years, 75 years, and actually the last 100 years. And we, you know, we've gone from the early 1900s, you know, we've gone from cars to everything we got now with computers and we still have a large amount of people employed and we also he made a really good point in his thread about women coming into the workforce i've heard that point made before but it's not made enough that when women came into the workforce in mass that's like a double doubling the amount of people not exactly doubling but really increased substantially the amount of people going into the workforce in a short amount of time and it probably put downward pressure on wages. Maybe it did. But at the same time, we still made it. So guys, don't let the AI robotic threat scare you. Just continue to adapt, continue to learn. Oh, what I wanted to mention real quick was savings. One thing people don't talk about enough is I feel as though if more Americans had more savings, more investments, then this whole uh, AI UBI situation is not as big of a deal because if people have a nest egg or just emergency funds, then you could deal with being unemployed for a little bit. You could retrain yourself. You could take some time off and learn a new skill and learn a new trade and not worry that every minute that you're not working, you're not going to be able to feed yourself. So that's what I've got to say about that. Mothers, mofos. So, um, if you have anything to say, you can send me an email, tayradio1 at gmail.com, T-A-Y, radio, number one, at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, tstutch1. Follow me on Periscope, tstutch1, baby. And that is it.